This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your host from another planet, Harvey. <laughs> I and, have a big gray head. And this week we're talking the brand new Hulu, direct to Hulu film, No One Will Save You. No one act like they knew what this was because this one flew under the radar for literally everybody. <laughs> You know, all right, so I did see a trailer for it not that long ago, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I got to be honest, it, it, it's, it is one of these weird things where this movie is completely made for me, right? Like, I mean, I don't know if I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I have a very hard time finding a movie that will legitimately scare me, and as a horror movie fan, it's like kind of something I chase all the time and I can't explain why, but for some reason alien abduction horror is like among the most frightening things like that I can, that I could imagine happening, even though it's like, I don't, even though it just doesn't make any sense. Like I don't believe in it. I'm not like, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that, that I can't get. I think it's because honestly, when I was a little kid, I got. I was so scared of ET. There it <laughs> like is. The movie. I think the fact that that movie scared me. It's like that. It made that genre for some reason the one thing that would terrify me. And I we've, think this movie. We this movie should horror, be. We've reviewed slashers. We've reviewed uh, fucking exorcism horror. We've reviewed found footage, haunted house, all kinds of weird shit. But for some reason, this is always the one that gets you. This very niche subgenre of horror. Yeah. Yes, it is. It, for some reason, it is this subgenre that gets me. Uh, but the thing is, too, like no one, no one can make a version of it that works for me either. I think the closest we've ever come to it, uh, and we haven't reviewed this movie yet, uh, but we talked VHS last week. There's a segment in the second VHS movie uh, that involves like that involves like you know a bunch of kids who are having a sleepover uh, at a lake house, and they in the middle of the night of their sleepover, like the house gets invaded by aliens, <laughs> and it's it, it, I, that's the best way I could describe it. If you watch that movie, it is the most frightening thing ever. I do think it's one of the most frightening things I've seen in a movie, but it only works in like that one small segment and i feel like if that was expanded into a feature length which it has been i just think it loses some of it and this movie that we're talking this week also it reminds me of a movie that's coming up in a few weeks that we're doing that i've also that i've that i've just seen already uh we're gonna talk skin and in a few weeks mm-hmm. and i've already seen that movie and i'll be revisiting again when we're doing it for the podcast but what that movie has in common with this movie is it's a movie with very little dialogue in it. Oh, so man. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to 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 look at these movies, you know, that are limited dialogue, really simplistic plot, mm-hmm. um, and it's just yeah, you know, we can get into it. I don't but, know why uh, I'm not. I, I'll admit it right now. I'm not looking forward to Skin and Marink. I have. Like I, the the lack of dialogue in movies really freaks me out, and it's like it's just because the the audio, like then you really just focus on the audio cues and just like the audio mixing on movies, and it's just like if it's done correctly, the atmosphere is just so creepy, and I'm a huge fan of that eeriness over terror. Like you can you can you can hit me. With, like, a million jump scares in two hours. <clears throat> James Wan, you piece of shit. Or, and I'll mm-hmm. be fine. Like, I would actually prefer that, because it feels like, finally, I got pushed off the cliff. But, like, <laughs> but something about, like, just 
having to listen to like creepy ass sound design and no no uh what's it called uh no lines or no dialogue it's just the constant fear of something is going to get me but it feels like it extends it for much longer and that's kind of what this movie's this movie has going for it one of the uh first things that a lot of people found kind of novel about this film is that there's maybe like eight total lines of dialogue in the entire film everything mm-hmm. else is either like kind of implied through body language or it really is our main protagonist just kind of by herself dealing with the horror that is a possible alien abduction. Oh, another probably really frightening, like alien invasion or alien abduction thing that this movie does remind me of, at least in the beginning is, and, and this is to me, one of the other like really terrifying scenes that I've ever seen in a movie, but there's that scene in close encounters of a third kind, uh, where the, you know, the little boy in the farmhouse with the, who lives in the farmhouse with his mother, you know, the aliens come in and basically lead him, like, like they coerce him to leave the house on his own. And the mom is just like, it's horrifying scene of the mom just looking out the window and seeing her son, like run out the door, but like inside the house, all the toys are going off and clearly something foreign alien terrifying is invading the home. And I, yeah, it's like the beginning of this, how it starts, it's it, or at least like how it, how the alien activity of it starts is one of those things that that should be very much up my alley. Oh, the aliens trying to get up your alley, that's for damn sure. Uh, the movie's main character and our protagonist is a character by the name of Bryn. Uh, she's a young woman that appears to live by herself in her uh, childhood home. Uh, which looks like a beautiful like farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere because it's just not an alien abduction movie if you're not in the remote ass but fucking nowhere, you know? So she lives out there by herself. Um, it appears completely uh, by herself, completely uh, isolated as well as kind of almost like a hermit lifestyle. Uh, she's out there listening to her music, uh, wearing beautiful sundresses, and kind of, it looks like she's kind of self-sufficient, like, living off the garden, where she kind of grows some stuff. Um, and we're, you know, let through some camera work and through some uh, lingering shots on some of the artwork and some of the stuff uh, around Bryn's house. Uh, we're left to see that it looks like she's survived, um, or she's like a, like, you know, she, she lost her mother and it looks like she's also lost a really close friend of hers, uh, as she has kind of like a lot of artwork, uh, with the name Maud on it and a lot of letters addressed to Maud and a lot of stuff, um, you know, that belongs to her mom as well. Uh, we also see like this beautiful... A uh, really cool, like miniature version of what looks like to be the the city square or downtown of where uh, she lives in. Right I'll away, two it. movies come to mind in the beginning mm-hmm. of this. One of them is Beetlejuice, like given the opening and like how you're going through the town and the fact that her main character like is creating like model versions of the town that she lives in, mm-hmm. and uh, the other one, it, it, it so it reminds me of Beetlejuice. And also, it reminds me of really one of those 824 Ari Aster horror movies, because it's like right away, you know that you're going to be dealing with something supernatural, dealing with something horror related. But at the same time, the true horror is like something that happens with you or like, the, you know, inside the human mind. Oh, you mean where real horror lives in this? You're expecting this to be an elevated horror thing throughout where it's like the real monsters, the trauma. And I'm glad you brought that up, because this goes to show you how much I've been fucking conditioned by A24 and elevated horror, is that in my mind, going into this, or uh, watching this movie, because, you know, she go there's this part where she goes to town, like, it, we find out that she makes a lot of her money by kind of selling stuff, uh, what appears to be through mail, like a lot of the dresses and everything she makes, so she goes into town to, like, mail off packages, um, 
And we see as she goes to town, like, a lot of people ignore her, or they stare at her, or they give her, like, a super stank look. So it's implied she did something to earn the ire of the town. So A24 is conditioned to be so hard that what I am automatically started doing was I started queer coding Bryn, and I was like, oh, her and Maude were probably a couple in, like, a conservative town, and Maude wasn't really ready to come out. Bryn probably forced her to. And as a result, like, Maude ended up taking her own life or something. And now the town blames uh, Bryn for that. Like, that's immediately where my brain jumped. (laughs) That something like that was going to be, like, the driving force and why Bryn is treated the way she is. Um, I don't know if you (laughs) thought anything like that. That just goes to show you how much A24 has fucking fucked my brain up now. No, I wasn't thinking that anything like that. I was thinking that this was going to be a character that's been dealing with grief of some type, uh, but definitely did not expect what you just came through with. But at the same time, it is it is very much an A24 thing. And I don't know, it's just, or, you know, it just, as you said, clear, it's clear that something has happened that has alienated her from the town that she lives in. Because clearly, like, and as once we get there, the the reasoning is super more simple than the convoluted thing I came up with. Uh, but yeah, as she goes through her day, we see that she's completely withdrawn from the rest of the town. Um, and she lives this very isolated, anxious, solitary life. Um, and one night as she gets home and starts preparing to to rest uh you know get to bed and get to rest begins um what feels like the very uneasy beginning to a supernatural movie where doors start opening and as Bryn goes and investigates we see that it's not uh, that there's actually uh, some home invader uh, in her home, yeah. like kind of going through her stuff. And it's very much the trope of like Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity in that the nights are when whatever is happening is going to get worse. Exactly, and they do not hide it. Maybe within a couple of a couple of minutes, they reveal that, you know, she's being stalked by what looks like a little gray alien. Like, the very traditional 1950s thought of aliens, the greys as they get called in the in the ufology like community. We're talking big, bulbous gray head, big, round eyes, itty-bitty body frames, like... And uh, this creature starts chasing uh, Bryn around the house. And Jesus, I love the sound design in this movie is so fantastic, dude. Because just like you hear the weight of the creature, just the dump, 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 as it like runs up the stairs and chases her up into her room as she starts hiding. You're just like, oh my God. (laughs) Instant, like, shot of anxiety straight to your heart. They do a fantastic yeah. job. It's like, oh, you knew this movie was going to be about alien? Here's your goddamn alien, America. <laughs> We're like maybe 10 minutes into this movie, <laughs> and they are not playing around. Um, she ends up, So as uh, she gets chased uh, around the house, we see that the alien has like telekinetic abilities and is able to like throw stuff and push stuff at her. Uh, we also see that... We're, we're, what we're left to assume is possibly the the alien ship is outside, and a lot it reacts a lot to the light that kind of uh, the ship uh, kind of gives off. So it fries a lot of the electronics in the house um, after having everything go off and makes things like go go wild. Um, he tries to the alien tries to pull Bryn over to him. The Bryn manages to snap off like the bell tower from her model as the alien starts spinning her around like a fucking idiot. She ends up extending her arm out and stabbing the alien right in its forehead. 
uh, killing it instantly. As the thing drops down, everything falls. All the electronics fried. And she just kind of, like, spends the rest of her night just kind of on guard, being uh, ready for, like, anything else to to, to attack. Um, but yeah, it is this opening scene. I don't even know if we can call it opening scene. Probably, like, this first encounter she has with the aliens is fantastic. It has you freaking out, has you instantly, like, the sound design, as I mentioned before, is is... is uh, second to none here, like, whoever was in charge of that really knew how to, like, just put together a great, like, just just put together, like, the sound effect perfectly. Um, this, if this was a short, I would be satisfied just with that. Like, just with this first, like, 12 to 15 minutes of the movie. Is the common theme in, like, this time that we're that we like this halloween or october month is the theme of all of the movies that we're reviewing is it would have been better as a short (laughs) because i feel (laughs) like we talked about how good the stories in dhs were because they were shorts Mm -hmm. and now i feel like we're longing for this to maybe be a little shorter than it was because to be quite honest you and i can go through the the plot of it and you're going to continue doing that but there really isn't a ton of plot in this and it's it's and I think that's going to be the challenge too when we get to Skinamarink and do that as well. It's just like it's it's amazing that the simplicity of these things and how they're able to expand it to a feature length. And it does it is it it, it warrants it enough, you know. Like it, it's you think it would be probably better as a short, but at the mm-hmm. same time, at feature length, like you know, it it it, it justifies what it needs to uh, at least in the story that it tells here. For a direct streaming horror movie, but <laughs> maybe that is just going to be the common theme we're going to get this October. Which I mean, yeah, you're I, you're not wrong. It's not like this movie has a huge runtime, right? We're talking about like an hour and a half, maybe a little bit more. Um, but I think that's the that's the risky run for the um for the gimmick of not having dialogue. Like, obviously, with dialogue, like, you're able to flesh out and you're able to, you're able to write out, you have to create a story because you gotta have something for people to say. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you gotta, it gives you more, a different chance or a different way to kind of explore uh, the world the characters live in and kind of establish a lot of the rules. I think this movie does a really good job of establishing kind of the rules we're playing with um, just by showing. But, yeah, like it's um it's hard it's going to be hard to uh to also like find a lot to talk about when there isn't um uh, like there like it's weird. I feel like there is a lot of substance in this movie. It just it's so like like you said because of the simplicity of the plot, it's so weird to talk about it. <laughs> So, uh, after the, yeah, so it's like after the, uh, that initial night, Bryn finds out her phone, her car, anything that has any electronics is completely useless, um, after the aliens attack. So she ends up, uh, getting ready for the day, takes the bicycle, uh, takes her bicycle into town after she leaves the body, um, in the house, slightly barricaded. E.T. reference. Possibly. E.T. reference? <laughs> I don't know. Or is there like I don't <laughs> I I don't know. Again, it's weird. It's one of these things where I'm pre I don't know if it's intentional, but I'm thinking of other things while I'm watching this. Close encounters, <laughs> uh Beetlejuice. <laughs> like it's just weird. It's weird how this is invoking other things without like being obvious about it. And maybe the- I'm just completely off, but it, it really is hitting that for me. This movie invoked a lot of uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane for me. Mm. And I think it's mostly because the last act of that film feels like a very short, the short version of this entire movie. <laughs> and I think that's mostly why I got no, a lot No, it's fair, because of- it, it, it could be... It's fair, because it could be one of those things where the entire movie is just about this person that's living alone and dealing with this one thing 
The same with 10 Cloverfield Lane. It could just be about three people that are stuck in a bunker in a post-apocalyptic stuff. And and that entire movie can be exactly the same. And there's no sci-fi element to it at all. And it still Mm -hmm. holds up and it still works. But the third act, you're just going to get fucking aliens. And that's kind of what this is, too. It's, it's a movie that could be about something completely different. But here you go, fucking aliens. Yeah, except, yeah, you get the aliens in the front. <laughs> so yeah. As she, yeah. <laughs> as she starts riding into town, um, she ends up going straight to the police station where we run into Maud's parents. Um. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, there's some stuff as she's riding into town. This is, I think, where she finds, um, like, she finds some, uh, some cars, like, turned over. And I think she finds, like, the mail truck, like, mm-hmm. flipped over or something on the way, right? Mm-hmm. And as she rides into the, rides into town, she makes her way over to the, uh, police station. And this is where she meets Brains, uh, I'm sorry, Maud's parents. And, um, before she can say anything to Maud's mom, mom just hawks a huge Luki right in her face. <laughs> and as she like takes off outside, um, you know, ma- the, the dad, um, dad sheriff, uh, ends up chasing after his wife. Um, and when Brandon kind of looks for support from anyone else, they just kind of, you know, ignore her like the rest of the police in the station. So she ends up leaving completely just broken. She wanted, you know, obviously she wanted help from the police. Uh, she has an alien corpse currently in her house. <laughs> so, would, you know, I would hope that the cops would be willing to listen. Uh, but, you know, she goes and, and you know, she, it, it's the story draws you into because you as the viewer are wondering what it is that happened that has made her such a pariah from this entire town. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she runs over and she starts crying, right? And she starts crying by that mural, which I assumed was a mural made of a mod, you know, I don't know who would have drawn it or, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we, we do kind of get the visual of mod being a redhead. And so I will, uh, you know, you kind of connect that. So it's like, no matter what, she's never really able to run away whatever it is, this mistake she made, um, until she finally uh, decides uh, she's going to get on a bus and flee town. And as she gets on the bus, um, she recognizes some, you know, people staring at her and a bunch of the passengers uh, start trying to hold her down. but from what it looks like, not everyone is trying. It looks like only like one or two uh, passengers uh, are possibly body snatched at this point. <laughs> so uh, Brent mm-hmm. is able to kind of fight off and escape. Um, but yeah, it's at this point that we're able to realize, or this this is the point of the film where we start uh, realizing that a bunch of townspeople are being abducted by the aliens and possibly being, uh, I don't know if infected or being overtaken, but essentially, yeah, being implanted with aliens themselves. Very invasion of the body snatchers. Uh, like you said, this movie makes you think of a lot of things. (laughs) There's a lot of other sci-fi tropes going on. Later in the movie, we're even going to get something that makes me think of Alien a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know what's so really... It's, it's, in- it's everywhere. You know what's really interesting that this movie does, too? Is there's a lot of things in the background and background shots that show that this isn't just an isolated thing affecting Grin. Like, this is something affecting the entire town. It's just... You know, this is the story we decided to zoom in on, and the, the story we decided to focus on. Um, like, yeah, there's certain parts where it's like Bryn, like she starts seeing random signals, or I'm sorry, symbols, kind of like in her crops, and you see those on other people's yards as she's riding into town, kind of, um, what well, leaving viewers to assume that those are crop circles left behind by uh the alien ships or at least caused by the aliens um 
So yeah, it's one of those things where it's like the scope is so massive, but we're so focusing on like the microcosm of what's going on with just Brandon at this one house. Um, so she ends up going home. She fortifies her house. And uh, that night she gets attacked again by uh, by aliens. That they use the tractor beam um, to pull the corpse out of her house. And uh, at this point, she's uh, forced to fight off two more aliens uh, going into the um, going into the basement, kind of playing the cat and mouse uh, hide and seek game with uh, one of them. She manages to outsmart it and escaping upstairs where she gets attacked by another kind of smaller like this smaller kind of, I don't even know what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like a meat, a more <laughs> uh, animal version of the uh, regular greys that have been attacking Noor, uh running around on the floor. Yeah, there's legs. a lot of different, there's a lot of different variety of them. You're going to get the, you know, humanoid one that she saw the first night. You're going to get later in the movie, spider, like alien giant spider aliens. You're going to get it toddler alien with misshapen arms <laughs> that looks like you know like freddy and nightmare on elm street one like it is yeah it, there there's i do appreciate the variety of all this and I, the one thing that this movie does which is kind of cool like when movies do this they don't need to explain the aliens they don't need to explain yeah. that anything is really happening in the town they don't need to explain where they came from the aliens don't need to talk to nobody mm-hmm. like it, it really is i think it's so simple that it works they don't get bogged down on the details. They just, this is it. This is what she's dealing with. Um, yeah, like you said, and I love that with how simple the creature's designs are to just look like regular gray aliens, the fact that there's so many variations uh, while still looking like core as those um, as those grays, yeah, it just makes it a lot more interesting, you know? Um so yeah, the toddler alien ends up attacking her. She manages to break a broomstick off and like pins him to uh like this cupboard and ends up knocking it out <laughs> using the medicine cabinet door. Uh she knocks out the toddler alien uh ends up taking um and ends up uh trying to run outside where I think this is the part where she ends up getting attacked by the mailman from earlier, right? And they end up uh, dragging mm-hmm. the mailman ends up dragging uh, Bryn over to the tractor beam, um, and it's like right as like what we see is that the tractor beam creates like this weird super gravity where it like pins people down and then like shoots them up. Um, so if you're not ready for it, it can like really mess people up. So what Bryn does is last minute, right before the tractor beam turns on, she manages to kick the mailman in like half into the tractor beam. And it looks like the the tractor beam like snaps his back in half. <laughs> you yeah, just hear it's really brutal looking. Oh yeah, you just hear his back break and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> And and this is why Bryn, as far as like protagonists and um I don't know if I would I don't know if I would call her a final girl necessarily, uh, but as a heroine in a horror mm-hmm. fi- in a horror film, right? She reminds me a lot, and I think this is where I connect um with uh Ten Cloverfield Lane. Uh she reminds me a lot of Mary Elizabeth uh Winstead's character. Where that character mm-hmm. had to, um, you know, like, you know, she spends the entire movie having to appease uh, John Goodman's character, all the while learning and uh, finding ways how to kind of manipulate the situation so that she can escape and um, just learn it, essentially learning how to fight. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and it finally culminates in the end of that film where she finally kind of has, she has that courage and she has that ability to fight off uh, the space caterpillars uh, at the end of the film. It, it You see the same thing with Bryn in this movie, which I really like and appreciate, is that 
she's a character that's like as the movie goes on she has just like this ferocity to fight for her life which is freaking like it's awesome to see and i love seeing it um like to the point where she she observes she analyzes situations really quick and she learns like how to use things to her advantage like the tractor beam one of the coolest i'll call it a kill but it might be one of the coolest horror movie kills I've seen in a long time. Like it was like they they did a mm-hmm. I, they re- I felt they did a really good job making this character um adaptable and someone that you want to see survive, you know. Um very much like yeah, Aaron. Also it, very Ripley. Yes. Yes, very Ripley. Uh she reminds me of the girl from Your Next just like one of the, like just one of these girls that one of just these badass female characters that just you know don't say quit. And yeah, like it's funny you mentioned that like it's, it's that you mentioned she uh you mentioned Ripley because this is where she goes back to the farmhouse and you see the giant six legged gray climbing on top of her house, <laughs> looking like the freaking alien queen. And at this point, I'm just like what. Like, what the hell else does she have to fight? I was like, <laughs> this poor girl's like already fought so many things to survive. Now she has to fight a goddamn alien queen, like a xenomorph queen. No, absolutely. That's absolutely what it's what it feels like. Especially, obviously, the xenomorph queen like looked like a spider too, right? Like she just basically removes the egg sac and starts chasing after. Her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, it, it, again, it's just really effective, and uh, it's, it, I, I will say, seeing that thing, like, run at you, <laughs> it's pretty frightening, even if it's, you know, m- mid-CGI, <laughs> just seeing a giant spider alien run in your direction like that is pretty terrifying. They were, they they were smart for filming at night. <laughs> because that mm-hmm. definitely saved him on uh on whatever however goofy it would have looked with all the CGI. Yeah. yeah, as the spider as the spider alien starts chasing after Brent after Brandon, um she manages to like lure it over to her car where the creature then becomes trapped because it isn't familiar with how cars work. <laughs> And it ends up piercing <laughs> through the gas tank. Um, and uh, as, uh, you know, Brun manages to smell the gasoline starting to pour starting to pour out, she grabs the lighter that she had uh, from earlier uh, when she was lighting the candles around the house. And she manages to uh, light the gasoline. And in a, mo- in final- in a movie... <laughs> Finally, kind of guess this right where it takes a while for the gasoline to finally ignite, not necessarily explodes as immediately as fire touches it. Uh, this gives her enough time to kind of uh, escape as uh, the car first ignites and then eventually blows up, catching the uh, the spider alien completely on fire. Uh, mm-hmm. The flying saucer flies over to try to save it, putting the flames out, but by that point, the spider alien is dead. As uh, Bren starts running towards the woods. Uh, oh, no, she doesn't. That's not this part yet. Uh, this part is when she uh, runs back into the house, right? And at this point, mm-hmm. like, the... the We start getting, like, the, the red rays coming from the... Um, what's called? The uh, flying saucer. Yeah, close encounters. Oh! And then... At this point, we we got that um, that intense hallucination scene where this uh, you know she get, encounters one of the greys. There's the last gray, the one she wasn't able to kill or stop, and it pulls this like I don't know how to describe it, just like this weird parasite from it like pulls this uh, parasite out. And ends up putting yeah, it. It's, it looks like you know what it looks like. Have you ever seen like those like 
rubber like a rubber band ball that's like when it's first coming out of the alien's mouth it looks like a giant rubber band ball and then later it just looks like a germ with all the little tentacles that are sticking out of it yeah, yeah it's pretty disgusting and horrifying it's like a gross looking like durian fruit or some shit <laughs> yeah, and it just like it like throws up this rubber band ball and puts it in Bryn's mouth which then leads to this hallucination where Bryn got every she has everything she wanted. She's living with Maud. Her mom is still alive as well. Everyone is uh, just kind of having a good life together. And for a moment, Bryn considers staying there. Uh, very much in a uh, what's for the man who has everything. Um, and I, I thought, I'm pretty sure I talked about that the the Justice League episode where. Uh, where Batman and Wonder Woman have to fight off Mongol and Superman has this parasite plant that's like feeding him his best, like, you know, the dream he's always wanted. And you find out that all he's ever wanted was to be a farm boy on, on Krypton with his family. Mm -hmm. Um, so she has kind of like this moment where she, you know, all she ever wanted was just to be with her best friend and her mom. And, you know, she realizes it's fake. And she manages to pull the parasite out of her mouth and ripping herself out of the hallucination. And she ends up, yeah, she ends up escaping and she uh, takes off running towards the field. um, Or, you know, across the field. Meanwhile, the flying saucer manages to transform the parasite into a, like evil version of Bryn. <laughs> so now evil twin Bryn is follow is chasing <laughs> after Bryn. Uh which leads to a uh quick encounter between the two of them where Bryn manages to um she ends up getting stabbed by evil Bryn but then she manages to kill evil Bryn using a box cutter that she had on her from earlier. And she ends up escaping to the deserted road. And, <laughs> you know, this is where we get the shot of where we see that there is, uh, you know, other flying saucers out taking other people. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, I'm just like, what the fuck else can she go through, man? <laughs> like, She's fought an evil version of herself. She fought an alien queen. She fought a baby alien. <laughs> like, and what else does she have to fight? And then, uh, this is, yeah, she ends up getting abducted and pulled right into the, uh, flying saucer. And at this point, I'm like, what else could she go through? There's like 15 minutes left in this movie. What else could she possibly go through? Right. And, you know, the final, and pretty much the final act of this movie is us finally, us as the audience finally discovering what, um, Bryn actually, what actually happened to her. And as it turns mm-hmm. out, when she was a child, her and Maud were having a discussion. They got into a fight over something where Maud pushed Bryn, and Bryn, in a fit of anger, ended up grabbing a rock and just, you know, hitting Maud upside the head with it, killing her. Um, oh, that is so. it's you know all right so the movie as it's going i'm like man this is good but i feel like something's missing i feel like it's you know it could be better and stuff like that and obviously you know the movie leads on as to what possibly would have happened between mod and brit but when you actually see what had happened and it is pretty much just like them getting to a fight and her accidentally killing her friend when they were kids like it's that is tragic to see that uh and 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 it's like you see why she suffers and it's one of those things where obviously everyone hates her for it but man does she suffer for it too (laughs) in silence complete silence because Mm -hmm. she lives in her empty house where no one (laughs) where she talks to no one else Mm -hmm. what do you think the aliens say at this moment because like you know as the you know they, they view her memories um they kind of start chittering about before they send her back, uh, back down to earth. What do you think they were talking mm-hmm. about? Exactly. I don't know if they felt that they couldn't control her because she, I don't know if they like probably feared her because she killed someone else. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if they empathize with her because she is like an outsider in or or like you know the other in the same way that they're the other. Mm-hmm. Um but to me it feels like there's something about her that either they respect or is endearing to them in some way. That's kind of what I figured too because like like the end of the movie is essentially Bryn now lives in a repaired house. Like her her home ends up getting fixed and she's living with other residents from the house who or from the house, sorry, from the town who are very clearly under control of the aliens. But, you know, she's finally a part of this community. Like she's will she's able to go, she goes to dances, goes to these um uh, events and goes to these like block parties where she has like fancy dinners and she's you know she goes out with everybody and it feels like she's finally being able to live that carefree life she was afforded or um that she wasn't afforded when she was kind of living with the guilt of what she did to Maud. um because mm-hmm. now almost every, like let's say this way for her it's almost like the guilt that she had controlled her <laughs> So the aliens didn't need to have anything to control her with, <laughs> right? Eh? Am I close? Yeah. Am I getting there? Or is not this bad? Awful? That's not bad. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just as I think it's just as viable as any other, you know, thought out theme. Because I was thinking of the same thing, right? Like, I figured, like for me, what I figured it was is that even though this town hates her. And even though they treat her terribly, because the chances are they're already viewing the memories of everybody else and kind of seeing what they, you know, already their, their preconceived notions of what Bran is and what she did to Maud, but to see her mm-hmm. have essentially nothing, but still so viciously want to survive. And, you know, they see she's a survivor and that she's a fighter. And, like you said, almost in a way they kind of reward that the fact that she is, even though she's in this crappy position where she's just existence for her is enough. And like you said, I think maybe it could be one of those things where it's like, you know, they can't do anything worse to her that she hasn't already done what, you know, they can't whatever hell they try to put her through isn't going to be worse than what she already put herself through. So, it, you know, the, I, li- I do like that the ending is kind of leaving it up to interpretation to kind of what, what Bryn's ultimate fate is. Um, I don't know if this is a nihilistic ending. <laughs> Part of me feels like it is because it's like, hey, the world still got taken over by aliens. But at the same time, it's like for this one character, it worked out because they've, you know, she's finally found like a group that's accepted her and forgiven her. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it, it's, it's, it's again, it is like she is the hunter, the alien hunter that the aliens have respected because of how strong she is, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, like so they, she was the one that they didn't want to mess with, but also very much like an A twenty four horror movie. It's about someone confronting trauma that they have, and once they have confronted the trauma, it's it's at least less grim than something like Hereditary or uh, Midsummer, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. So, in that way, it works. It yeah, and you know, as the flying saucers fly around the sky, that cuts the credits, and that's no one will save you. So, so I guess we can get into it. Uh, Javi, mm-hmm. do you like No One Will Save You? I do. I'm not going to lie. I do like it. I feel like my initial reaction was a lot hotter on it than uh, when we... than now. Like, now that we've had a chance to talk about it and I've been able to sit with it. Um, I feel like the ending... I do like ambiguous endings. I like endings I can think about and I can like project all kinds of stuff for. It also just feels weird though, because it's like, if she is forgiven, it's like, what exactly is the story trying to tell you that, Hey, 
it's okay to kill your best friend as long as you do the penance of living in isolation for the rest of your life and being a pariah. But don't worry, like, sooner or later someone will forgive you. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, sometimes... I actually um, got... I actually got uh, something completely different from that. The, what I got from this movie is that she was suffering because she was living with, you know, the trauma and the, you know, all of the problems, uh, you know, and the thoughts of what she had done to her friend, basically in isolation. And it isn't until, and obviously there's not a lot of talking in this movie, but it's almost like a thing where, you know, it's like you carry something that's hard, you know, for you to deal with. You carry something personal that's, you know, just wrecking your mental health. And sometimes all it takes is telling someone else about it. Like, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that feels like maybe what it is is that because the aliens have seen what she's lived, it's almost like her telling someone else, you know, what's happened and how she feels about it. And once she's done that, it's almost like she's lifted a weight off of her shoulders. It doesn't change what she's done, uh, Mm -hmm. but at least, you know, the fact that she was able to communicate how she has felt or what or what it is that happened to her with someone else in whatever way she did it, that Mm -hmm. that is what finally frees her of the burden of having to kind of live with it alone. Um, And and it's just, yeah, like that's that's what I was thinking. And maybe I'm being a little needy, or maybe I'm not as good as analyzing movies as I thought I was. But I think that's when having just... If you're going to have minimal dialogue, like, this probably would have been the scene to be kind of helpful to really drive home what your point is trying to be. Because I see that... I I see that reading of this film completely too. Where this movie is very much like when you finally feel seen and you finally feel heard when you're dealing with trauma to be able to you know, be able to kind of get that weight off your shoulders. But at the same time, it's like, what, what, what exactly is the, uh, moral, I guess, what's the thing we're trying to, we're trying to have the audience walk away from. That's where it gets a little murky for me. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, the movie on a technical standpoint, it's filmed amazingly. Um, I do like the CGI. I, I think they did a good job filming at night to cover up any shortcomings as far as the budget goes. Which I don't, I mean, it, it was a budget of 22 mil, almost 23 mil. Um, it wasn't terrible. I mean, for the most part, it's a single location movie. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of it was spent on, like, probably the CGI budget and any practical effects they did. Because it's not like this movie has, like, too many big names or any, like, or any big names. Because uh, no. I'm, I'm... Might as I well think, be a TV um, movie. Might as well, yeah. Like... I mean, this is a straight to. It is. I mean, it is. It's a straight to streaming movie for a reason, right? Um, but I. That being said, I think that this movie takes a chance, and I. I think for the most part, it's 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 enjoyable. It's one of those things I don't regret watching it. I'll probably will tell people to check it out. Um, at the very least, give it one watch. Um, I don't know if I'd come back to it too often. Like, I don't know if this would uh, enter the rotation of horror movies for Halloween or anything like that. Um, but I do think it is an interesting foray into the um, into the alien abduction genre, like subgenre. And I'm definitely not mad we reviewed it. Yeah. No, Angel, yeah, what about uh, you? I definitely liked... Yeah, I definitely like this movie. Um, honestly, I probably have the inverse of the reaction you had to it. I wasn't sure that I really liked it much when I watched it. But to be quite honest, I think the discussion that you and I have had on this podcast and just kind of talking about it with someone else, I actually think I have a better, like I feel better about it now than I did when I watched it at first on my first watch. Because I saw it twice for this podcast. But the first time I watched it, I thought I was going to be a lot more excited about it. I thought I was going to walk away from it feeling like I really enjoyed it. And I actually don't think that I did as much as I hoped. And I think that kind of left me a little disappointed. But upon the rewatch and upon like us talking about it on this podcast, I think I enjoyed it a lot more. I think I think I got more of what the movie was trying to do. And I actually ended up 
my feeling about it now on this podcast on this episode is probably even better than when I was watching it for the first time. Um, there are things about it that are a little, you know, because it is a limited dialogue movie, it limits itself in certain ways. And, mm-hmm. and, and also because of the unknown, no name actors that it uses. And I'll describe what I mean. There are certain scenes when Bryn is like doing stuff in her house and like something weird happens or anything, but like, instead of saying anything like to herself, which is what, you know, like I've lived by myself before and anyone who has lived by yourself, like in a place where you're the only person that lives there, there's a fair amount of, you kind of talk to yourself sometimes. <laughs> and it's I not think, out of the realm like, of weirdness. No. And it's like, she, she, a lot of what she does is just kind of like this expression that I just remember when I was in college and I took like theater, like arts and I like, like acting mm-hmm. in college. I just remember like having instructors that would get angry when you would when you would try to act in a scene that has no dialogue and mm-hmm. you're expressing like it, you're basically acting and expressing in a way where you need to have dialogue to understand what you're trying to convey with your body and i feel mm-hmm. like that's what happens with Bryn sometimes is that sometimes like she kind of like over expresses over smiles over like reacts to something because mm-hmm. she can't really say anything because there's no words for it in the script and it feels mm-hmm. a little bit false to me but again it, it's 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 a direct streaming movie with no name actors in it i think it's one of those things that's going to feel like that but I, just like you it's not something that's going to enter the rotation you know every year i don't know how often i'm going to return to it but i definitely think that if you're listening to this podcast and if you're wondering whether or not to watch this movie yes i would recommend that you watch this movie i think you'll probably enjoy it and uh maybe you'll find even you know different maybe the ending you'll perceive it differently or you'll find something in the movie that even we haven't you know thought of in terms of how it ends it is it is kind of open ended in that way Oh yeah, if you have any ideas or if you have any thoughts on kind of the ending of this film and kind of what it brings out for you, please reach out and let us know. I love hearing other people's uh ideas, especially especially for a movie like this. It's so open-ended and it's like, you know, it, it just leaves it up to viewer interpretation. Is this a happy ending? Is this a nihilistic ending? You know, who knows? And uh, we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. Um, we appreciate you guys continuing to stick with us as we return to the show and as we're now like in full swing for all things that are spooky leading up to Halloween. Um, please interact with us on social media on the Instagram page. Uh, leave us a review on, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you know, do what you can to get the word out there on the show. Um, and we're going to be very, I'm very excited, you know, that next week we're actually going to do a brand new movie. And I think you and I have talked about this offline. I'm very terrified, not because I think exorcist believer is going to be scary, but I'm a little (laughs) concerned because I feel like what we're stepping into next week is going to be a movie that is not going to be good. I'm setting myself up for disappointment now, but I still want to see it and I still feel like I need to see it. So we will talk about that next week. And I honestly am, if nothing else, I'm looking forward to the conversation that's going to come up next week after we've seen that movie. Every trailer I watch or everything I see on TikTok about it, I'm just like, oh my God, I really hope this movie isn't going to be butt, but it feels like it's going to be butt. <laughs> uh thanks y'all uh, stay yeah stay with us be and be ready for exorcist believer next friday yeah and stay safe out there uh and uh we love you guys we'll talk to you next week later y'all